We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the Tuesday Take 5. Did Sam Howell's eruption lead your fantasy team to victory? All that and more on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome to the Tuesday Take 5 episode of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin. We're back in the saddle this week. Uh, for those of you that have been tuning in, this format is familiar by now, this point in the season. If you're just randomly catching this for the first time in 2023, uh, this is our weekly review show. Uh, where we go over the top five performances at each position, as well as maybe some bonus throw-in performances from a fantasy perspective, and just figure out, hey, what what drove these breakout performances, these week-winning performances, using some of the Rotoviz advanced metrics uh, available throughout our toolkits at rotoviz.com. So, um, Dave, man, I will say that, we had quite a concentration of some of these players yeah, we did. on our FPC main event <laughs> we, team. We really maybe. I, I've not checked in. And of course we're recording this on Monday night uh, as we're known to do. And I haven't checked tonight, but heading into tonight, I think we had two teams in the top 50. I mean, we're looking yeah, good, yeah. my friends. So this has been, this has been fun this year. It, it certainly has. The frustrating thing though, is we always seem to have the teams that have players that are all finished on Sunday. So like you have to watch yourself kind of creep back a little bit on Monday night. So yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to when we have a Monday night week where we get to watch ourselves creep up the board should happen at some yeah. point. But I mean, you know, we're yeah. not going to complain like uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far. Things seem to be trending in the right direction. These teams have held up pretty well. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. Well, uh, our counterpart, uh, Sean Siegel, very happy to see Sam Howell's explosion uh, this week. Uh, Sean, famously a uh, big fan in Sam Howell's corner. This offseason, one of the guys he was really um, touting as a, a quarterback to wait on in some of those types of builds. And, I mean, man, the, it's well, kind of hard to find metrics where he didn't really stand out this week, Dave. He was a yeah. QB1 with 31 PPR once you break down the performance. Sure, and I also just want to say, this was a similar case like with C.J. Stroud when you went back and you looked at what they did in college. They had a really impressive profile, and it always confused us as to why Sam Howell fell as far as he did. So 
31 PPR per hit for him. Uh, very high um, in terms of completion rate this week at 75, had 397 yards, 7.6 yards per attempt, threw for four passing touchdowns, actually threw a passing touchdown every 13 passes, one of the higher rates of the week. Now, his receivers did help him out, had 4.3 yards after the catch per completion, uh, which is a pretty solid rate. Although I will say, you know, not nearly the highest rate of this week was good at converting um, the air yards that he did throw went over that one mark at 1.023 in terms of pacer actually had a rushing share Curtis of 18.8, but only contributed 11 rushing yards as we saw the team really air it out this week, put together 20 first downs uh, also picks up 3.7 rushing yards Per attempt, um, really great to see Howell pull off a finish like this. And I think the most impressive piece about it is that this was all done with his arm. So, you know, tremendous rookie performance right there. Yeah, and it was, I mean, just kind of putting his season in view. I mean, this is his fifth QB1 performance of the year. Uh, He was a QB1 in weeks one, two, five, and six. And it's his third performance of 24 PPR or greater. So, I mean, you know, the best ball shares are are looking solid. Uh, but, you know, also, you know, it, it, in in fairly obvious uh, start situations, Howell's come through. You know, Chicago, that's a defense that's been exploitable. He put up 29 points. Philadelphia, that's a team that, you know, the opposition has really been passing against because that front seven is so stout. Now, I... I, I tweeted out before this game, Sam Howell is either going to go for 350 and three or be ruined forever. <laughs> and yeah. so it's good to see that um, it was the the former rather than the latter. But, you know, I think, you know, in, in redraft and, and dynasty, you can feel pretty good about streaming Howell um, in, in those, you know, fairly obvious uh, starting uh, situations. So, you know, that's enough on him. We've got plenty of other players that we got to hit on the rundown. Uh, it gets a little bit more predictable, and obvious at the quarterback position, since we spent an you know an extra minute on how there we got Josh Allen at number two to nobody's surprise twenty nine point one PPR. Dak Prescott, maybe we'll zoom in there yeah. just a little bit, Dave. He's been a little bit more erratic this year, but with the QB three performance and twenty eight point one PPR, finally redeeming himself a little bit um, to the delight of his managers. Yeah, so this was a strong game, um, as I'm sure everybody saw from the Cowboys offense, Cowboys defense too, honestly. We saw Prescott put up 0.252 EPA per snap, 14.1 EPA on the week. Only a couple of passers uh, were able to go beyond that in terms of the expected points that they added to their offense. 25 at 31, that's an 80.6 completion rate for Dak, put up 304 yards, had 9.8 yards per attempt. Very strong. Also throws four passing touchdowns. Actually throws a touchdown every eight passing attempts. Only one player who I think we will talk about a little bit quickly had a better rate than that. We did see five yards after the catch per completion for Prescott. 8.7 in terms of a dot. Air yards at 269. Turns into a pacer of 1.13. So a pretty good rate there. Uh, added just 19 yards with his legs uh, on four rushing attempts, 16 first downs. As far as Prescott's season goes, Curtis, this is by and large 
uh, the best game of the season for him. Did put up 25 points as recently as week six. So we're starting to see Prescott do you know, more of what the fantasy managers that went and uh, selected him in drafts were hoping he'd be able to accomplish. Yeah, he's got back-to-back, uh, back-to-back QB1 performances now after being pretty horrible for fantasy purposes, honestly, through the first five weeks of the season. You know, he had that nice game against the Chargers and the bye week comes back from the bye week. Uh, and, you know, he's he's performing now. So, I mean, I, I don't have Dak a lot of places other than in some pockets of super flex dynasty. And I mean, I was kind of worried to be honest, because I mean, that Cowboys offense has just been a little odd uh, to start the year. You know, Pollard hadn't really paid off. Prescott wasn't looking great. You know, maybe he had a little bit of value production from Jake Ferguson and CD lamb's been kind of up and down. So it's really nice to see this passing attack uh, step forward over the past two um, games and past three effective fantasy weeks here. So maybe Dak can get hot as we get into the middle weeks of the the fantasy season. Getting sure. into the yep. QB uh, four and five here, Dave. I mean, Joey Burrow looking fully healthy now. He's kind of back there, you know, bebopping and scatting his way around. <laughs> he's running for first downs. I mean, he looks pretty comfortable. The Moxie's fully back. And J- Jalen Hurts was the QB five. Um I think what's a little bit more interesting than talking about either one of those studs is the QB six, Will Levis. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the debut for the rookie, the Titans season, you know, the, the white flag was half masked entering this week. And they're talking about which superstars they're going to trade. I mean, you know, he, he connects with DeAndre Hopkins, who we're going to talk about in the wide receiver section of the episode. But man, this is a pretty sterling review for Will Levis. Four touchdown passes. Uh, what else do we have going on here in this performance? Right. So in addition to the four touchdown passes, seven touchdowns, or, or excuse me, every seven passing attempts, he threw a touchdown pass, which uh, only Russell Wilson had a higher rate this week. I don't think I have to describe, you know, how how wild of a stat that is for him here. Uh, 8.2 yards per attempt. 238 yards, a completion rate of just 65.5. I say just because actually on the week that is, you know, not uh, significantly high. But if we look at a couple of other things for him, did pass for 341 air yards. Now, I did have a weak pacer, just 0.698. As I look through our leaderboard here, uh, looks like only Jordan Love had a weaker rate. But I do think that from a fantasy perspective, this is really important because we are seeing some aggression here that I don't think we were seeing prior to this game from Tennessee. So, you know, seeing Levis come out and put up that number, I think, you know, that's really important. Uh, Took two sacks, rushed just, um, did actually have seven rushing attempts, recorded 11 rushing yards. But the final thing I want to throw out here, though, is did only pick up seven first downs. And in conjunction with that, put up an EPA per snap of just 0.044, which is one of the lower rates of the week. And I bring that up not to, you know, throw some cold water on the performance here, but just to kind of display here that to some extent, uh, it's very likely that this performance is a fluke on some level. Um, or might not be indicative of what you're going to be able to get out of Tennessee moving forward. So don't get overly excited, but still, though, a very impressive performance. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can't expect Will Levis to throw four touchdowns uh, every <laughs> no. single week. I mean, color me shocked. I mean, the, the seven first down thing is, I mean, it is a little bit understated just because, you know, there were so many, you know, he was connecting on some pretty big plays. Correct. Um, Correct. He did have the third highest A dot of the week at 11.8. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, to mention and, that. Good point. And actually, uh, amongst qualifying players, it was the second highest uh, a dot of the week because Taysom Hill had the, the highest and he, of course he only attempted to uh, <laughs> two passing attempts. So he yeah. trailed only Derek Carr in a dot. So it, I think the takeaway and you kind of alluded to this, the takeaway is that, I mean, Tennessee might have some aggression to their passing attack that we haven't really seen since probably 2021. Yeah. Um, when AJ Brown was last there. So, so that that opens things up for other players in the offense. So yeah, we're highlighting Levis here, but you know maybe there's a little bit of ray of hope for Derrick Henry, who is rumored not to be a trade uh, trade target at this time. Uh, maybe DeAndre Hopkins can salvage the season. Maybe Traylon Burks, as he gets healthier, uh, can also start posting um, some some fantasy goodness. So uh, that's a wrap on the quarterbacks, Dave. We've got familiar faces at the running back position, of <laughs> yes, course. DMCs at the top with another. You know, ho hum, twenty nine point eight PPR performance. I mean, this guy's just literally incredible. But the, but the guy that was number two is not a guy that we've talked about on this show at all. Gus Edwards, Dave, with a, a you know almost the RB one on the week pending Monday night football results, 29.4 PPR. Well, and if people remember too, last week takes a reception 80 yards to the house. This week, we see him get into the leaderboard in a slightly different fashion. Plays 34 of the 52, uh, excuse me, plays 34 snaps, snap share, 52 for Gus Edwards. Records 19 rushing attempts, averages 4.2. That gives him 80 yards, but three Rushing touchdowns, has a rush share of 65.5, had two targets, which is a target share of 7.7, catches both targets, turns them into 14 receiving yards, did have a fumble, uh, but you still see him getting enough, (laughs) enough runway here to have that very sizable portion of the team's workload. And the three touchdowns, you just can't underscore enough. We know that the Ravens are the type of team that can support a lot of scoring, uh, especially in the form of touchdowns for their backs. And we're seeing it definitely trend towards Gus Edwards being the recipient of those as opposed to Justice Hill. They look to be playing very solid football right now. Lamar is fully healthy. I think you could see this continue from Edwards, not necessarily these top five finishes, but certainly a player that is going to be in the conversation week in and week out to be fighting for a, you know, running back one spot. I, I was a little annoyed at this guy, Gus Edwards performance only because it was at the expense of Lamar Jackson's rushing production. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. For, for purely selfish reasons mm-hmm. for you and I uh, and main event, but yeah, I mean, um, the Ravens, but at the end of every season, the Ravens are going to find their way to the rushing production. Now, there's a lot, lot been made of the transformation of their offense, and you know, while there's been some pockets in games where they've they passed the ball more effectively, that just wasn't the case this week. And you know, Gus Bus was the the ticket to ride. Um, Alvin Kamara at running back three. I we've talked a lot about CMC on the show. Alvin Kamara is a. I mean, yes, there was the suspension. 
but he's like the co-fantasy MVP since coming back. I mean, he is having a, a real season here, Dave. So five games, five RB1 performances so far. Wow. Yep. I, I mean, Kamara is just, uh, he's been a machine. I mean, he he's leading all running backs and expected points per game since returning to, to action in week four. I mean, that, that can't be lost. I mean, he's really, really been impressive. Uh, this is his third game uh, with more than 20 PPR uh, out of five played. And then the two that he didn't get to that uh, threshold, he scored 17 and 18 points respectively. And he's, he's done it in some different ways. You know, in this game, not very efficient on the ground, 17 carries 59 yards and a touchdown. You know, it's only three and a half yards per carry for those of you doing the, the quick math, 47.2% rushing attempt share there uh, did get, you know, of course, five targets, caught four of them, uh, 51 yards and a touchdown. Um, and not a lot of air yards doing most of it after the catch. I mean, it, this was just, you know, a vintage Alvin Kamara performance. And I mean, while Chris Olave has disappointed, while Michael Thomas hasn't really uh, reemerged as a viable, you know, number two at this point, and a lot of people are hoping for that. He hasn't been a value where he went. I mean, this offense is just driving through Alvin Kamara with some, you know, a little bit of supplementation from Taysom Hill in recent weeks. So, yeah, it I really is. You want to highlight about Kamara, but well, I mean, I, I'll just if, call if out being overshadowed by CMC, maybe to an unfair degree. Yeah, I, I mean, if we just zoom out here, right? You know, the efficiency numbers aren't that great across the season for him, but a snap share of seventy percent, a rush share fifty six point two. But a target share here of 15.1. The only players with a higher target share are Josh Jacobs, who's that's kind of odd. Of course, they're playing now, so the number might change, but those targets aren't really that quality. Then you have CMC at 17.2. But the the targets that Kamara is getting are of a quality, and he's able to do enough with them that it's really hard to underscore, you know, just how important that is to him being one of these top PPR backs and how it's really driving him. And, you know, kind of to your point, so much of the offense is going through him. We do see, you know, things like Rashid Shahid picking up these very long plays, you know, going for like a hundred yards on like three receptions, but play to play to play. It's really largely through Camara. So, uh, with where he was going in drafts, you know, certainly making a case as, as one of the fantasy MVPs this year. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the season, he's, you know, for team teams that didn't start 0 4 or whatever, I mean, he's probably going to end up having a, a higher win rate than, you know, even somebody like CMC who is smashing as expected from his his draft position. But Camara, seventh, eighth, ninth round, you know, probably like the RB2 if nothing changes. I mean, you can't beat that. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, Travis Etienne, RB4. Etienne stacking up quite the nice season. Oh, he's, too. Been, he's, been, he's been incredible. Yeah, we've we've got some exposure there, uh, and so we we've enjoyed that a bit. Um, this was his sixth RB one performance of the season. Of course, the Jags uh, have not had their bye week yet, so you got to take that into account. But Dave, it was his fourth straight game with more than twenty PPR, and his fifth such performance on the season. I mean, since that Buffalo explosion in Week Five, thirty six PPR, he's really been just remarkably consistent and. You know, the Jags offense hasn't necessarily erupted like on every level. Um, you know, I think there was some outside hope for 
Trevor Lawrence to can can he be the thirty five touchdown guy? Can he be the forty five hundred passing yard guy this year? And I mean Christian Kirk and uh, Calvin Ridley are taking their turns. Evan Ingram's been nice, but I mean similar to our conversation about Kamara, ETN's been the motor for the offense. Certainly has. I mean, 151 rushing attempts. Closest player behind that is McCaffrey at 137. And believe it or not, Zach Moss at 25. And ETN also has a target share of 13% for Jacksonville. You know, a team that has been progressively getting better as the season moves along. Um, so ETN, you know, getting drafted maybe a little bit later than, uh, well, certainly later than he would have. If we re- were to redraft now, you know, he's probably going top three running backs. Uh, so just very impressive stuff from him. I'm looking at his performance from this week, just seeing, you know, if anything stands out, I mean, it was not an efficient week for him, 24 rushing attempts, 79 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but when you take three receptions for 70 yards and a touch, um, it's gonna, it's gonna boost your day. Austin Eckler, this was a nice get back game for him. It's been a little ouchy this season. Um, it's nice for his managers to see him eclipse 20 uh, PPR. And I mean, the Chargers took care of business. I mean, fine. I would say as they expected, but you can't expect anything good really from the Chargers. They've been disappointing and in fighting the injury bug again um, at basically every fantasy skill position this year. You know, but Eckler managers had 23 point per week, basically expectations for Eckler after drafting him the top five. So he delivers. Brees Hall, honorable mention, 21.3 PPR for the Jets. And I mean, maybe one of the snooze fests of the week in the the battle at the Meadowlands, 10 to 7 in overtime. I mean, good grief. Joe Mixon with a 20 PPR performance. And, uh, you know, Javonta Williams, I guess, rounding out the top eight there with 18.8. Anybody you want to zoom in on there before we go to the wide receiver position? No, I think we've covered, you know, th- those are a lot of familiar names. So I think we can move, al- move along to wide receivers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. 41 points, baby. 41 points from C.D. Lamb. Uh, we hi- we highlighted Dak Prescott, and this was like this was that big game that that CD managers have been waiting for. 144 air yards, uh, 10 plus average depth of target. But I mean, 12 for 158 and two. Like those are AJ Brown numbers uh, this year that we finally saw from CD Lamb. So just an absolutely huge performance, Dave. 
Tell us about his target shares, air yard share, and you know any anything else that you want to highlight here. Yeah, well, what's really interesting, actually, it's funny that you call it AJ Brown. AJ Brown led all receivers this week with 0.261 EPA per snap. Behind him, though, uh, CD Lamb, which just speaks to the efficiency he had, 82% snap share. Actually, also Curtis, just showing how involved he was, picked up one rush attempt. Actually, took that for 12 yards. Uh, 14 targets, which was a target share 41.2. Easily the strongest that we saw among wide receivers all week. Uh, 85.7 in terms of catch, 100 catch rate, 158 receiving yards for the two touchdowns, as we mentioned. And it had an air yard share of 49.1, again, the highest of the week. Also goes for 64 yards after the catch, which actually was 5.3 yards per reception. We do see a handful of players going over that, but when you're catching as many passes as he did, that's a that's an impressive number at an A dot of 10.3, uh, which again is impressive here and picks up seven first downs. Actually, stride for stride there with AJ Brown, who also had seven. And I remember us talking last year about CD Lamb and the question of if he was going to get to the point where you see him start to put it together, which he did answer that question by the end of last year. And this just really shows what it can be like for a player like CD when he does put it all together. Yeah, I we just we still need to see the consistency, right? I mean, he's he's still been very boomer busty, you know, this year. At least the booms are getting bigger. So that's good. You know, this is his best performance um, of the season. Uh, but it still is just his second performance of uh, greater than 20 PPR. And he has three performances under 12 PPR. Mm. Um, so, you know, coming into the week, he was wide receiver 34 and expected points per game. Obviously, we're going to get a boost there. Uh, he's going to have a huge boost to his fantasy points over expectation, which helps. You know, maybe maybe this offense getting off the schneid just a little bit here uh, with CD, you know, pacing all, all receivers. So that's good. We talked about Will Levis in the quarterback section, just outside that top five. Well, DeAndre Hopkins, his alpha, was wide receiver two on the week, 34.8 PPR, and he's bringing the attitude, man. I saw on Twitter <laughs> after the game last night. Did you see this post? I did. No, so, I didn't. Okay, so so somebody posts, like, just totally well-meaning. Like, this wasn't an anti-nuke uh, post at all. Somebody posted, like, video of his three touchdowns and said, vintage DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And then DeAndre Hopkins uh, uh, reposted it saying current DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, he, he, yeah, he's saying, you know, Hey, this is me now. Uh, and you know, you love it, man. I mean, this, this was certainly what the Titans envisioned when they signed him three touchdowns on the day on just four receptions. That's um, wild. Yeah. 128 receiving yards, 39.3 air yard share. I mean, average depth of target, Dave, 22.3. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it does get you pretty excited about, you know, what the next couple of weeks look like. You know, you would like to see more overall opportunity because, you know, six targets, you know, that's not going to project to, you know, it, 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 you know it's, an, it's a nice aberration from what we've seen so far this season from Hopkins. But, you know, we've got to get that up into that 8, 9, 10 range to feel good about him being, you know, maybe getting back into wide receiver two territory uh, like he was being drafted. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much that you can point to here in the stat line um, that you can use to kind of project forward, at least as of now. I guess the hope is 
Just that this reminds Tennessee what they have in DeAndre Hopkins. They had some success through the air and that they continue to try to carry this forward. So, you know, we will see as they as they move forward. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's happy with uh, that connection that he was able to have with Levis thus far. So hopefully it, it continues and we can continue to see uh, King Henry back there having some nice games as well. Yeah, man. Just lo- love it when he gets going. Um, AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, your wide receivers, three, four, and five at 33 and 25.2 PPR uh, respectively. You know, no, no real surprises there. It was nice to see Jalen Waddle at wide receiver six, 25.1 PPR, just a tenth of a point behind his teammate Tyreek Hill. He's really had all the headlines there. Yep. Um, Waddle getting himself into the picture there a little bit. And then a couple of complimentary names uh, find themselves in kind of that middling wide receiver one territory for the week. Um, John Dotson, um, you know, was leading the way for the commanders. We were kind of hard on him a couple weeks ago on here. That was Sam Howe getting it done this week. Dotson was the you know, the primary beneficiary of that rather than Terry McLaurin, um, who also had, a, you know, an okay week, but it was Dotson really um, making all the headlines. Rashid Shahid had a couple of big catches for the Saints, Gabe Davis, and then Devontae Smith finally getting yeah. uh, his name into the wide receiver one territory um, this week. So anybody you want to zoom in on there from the complimentary set of wide receivers? Sure. So I do think it was encouraging to see Dotson get going. You know, he was a player that I had pretty high hopes for heading into the year has been a disappointment thus far as excited as I'd like to be about this performance. I think there's a couple of things to note. one Curtis Samuel um, with, I'm not sure if he actually got into this game and recorded anything. I think he, he uh, let's see here. Uh, so Curtis Samuel yeah, he did. He did play. Took fourteen snaps, just a nineteen percent snap share. So you have to keep, take that into account because he has been getting used more than Dotson. Also, has been pretty effective this year. And the second note there is that the Commanders were playing the Eagles, who have really been struggling in terms of their pass defense and have just been, you know, ceding fantasy points to wide receivers left and right. Could this continue? Yeah. You know, I think if Howell keeps playing the way that he did, we could see more of this, uh, but it might be dangerous to, you know, assume that uh, you start tossing him back in your lineup and you're going to get some more wide receiver in one week yeah. until we can see a little bit more consistency. Yeah, you do have to be careful. I mean, it's if, if you're just, um, you know, counting widgets here, Dotson had 10 targets, but, you know, his target share is just 19.6. I mean, so yeah, yeah I mean, you pass it almost 50 times. Um, there's going to be some meat on the bone for um, a bunch of different players. And so, I mean, he, you know, to his credit on the targets that he got, he's efficient. He caught eight out of 10, had 108 and a touchdown um, to go with that. But, you know, 19.6 target share, that's nothing to write home about whatsoever. So I think that's, that's a thoughtful warning sign there. Um, The ball was still, you know, spread around here pretty well. Jameson Crowder actually blast from the past getting involved in this game. Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I guess you could argue uh, Crowder kind of like filled in as Samuel to some degree in terms of. Yeah, there's some sort of, you know, composite, uh, you know, um, there that that occurred. And then, you know, uh, Logan Thomas um, scoring a touchdown. So, I mean, there was plenty of opportunity for Howell to spread it around, but he's not going to be playing Philly or Chicago every week. So we're just going to have to be careful. Um, he has been a little bit spiky, but uh, you like to see Devonte Smith finally 
um, doing some things uh, to, to get excited about, but you know, just a 20% target share for him. So still even in this game where he goes seven for 99 and a touchdown, he caught all seven of his targets. Um, he's still being overshadowed by AJ Brown, by Dallas Goddard. And, you know, he, he seems to have you know, effectively been bumped down from the second option to the third, at least over the past month of the season. Still a lot of ball to play, but um, you it's know, we'll crazy because last year, if you looked at the back half of the season, he was arguably the best player among yeah. all wide oh, yeah. receivers, how crazy he was going. Um, though, just to kind of put a little bit more context around this in terms of targets, what is interesting here is he was at seven. We have seen three games prior where he was higher than that and uh, just really hadn't been able to put together a lot of boom weeks thus far. So hopefully uh, that can continue. We can see Brown and Smith start uh, connecting like they did last year in the back half of the season where they were both pretty ridiculous. Um, so, you know, we'll see how things shake out there, but always nice to see some, some of these, these, these names uh, that a lot of our listeners would have been targeting start to appear in these leaderboards. Well, Dave, there was an official, I mean, unofficially it had already happened, but officially the guard in Arizona has changed because Trey McBride at the tight end position, 14 targets, man, 14 targets, uh, 10 receptions, 95 receiving yards and a touchdown, uh, a 40.2 air yard share um, as a tight end, 38.9 actual target share. I mean, yeah, he's he kind of arriving. Um, exciting young player, you know, huge college production metrics. Um, just didn't really have like the pedigree, um, but the production certainly there in college. So, I mean, definitely a player that, that Team Rotoviz has been on and we've just kind of been waiting for this breakout to occur. You know, oddly enough, it occurs before Kyler Murray gets himself back into the picture, um, which is somewhat, you know, encouraging that you know, he can do this with a journeyman like Josh Dobbs. But man, McBride was... Uh, he was everywhere. I mean, he was everywhere in that game against uh, the Ravens. And, you know, this is really exciting to think about what he could build. We're always looking for opportunities to spot tight end production during the season and redraft. And I think with the somewhat slow start to the season, he was a waiver recommendation, you know, as, as recently as two weeks ago, um, for those of you that follow our content. So hopefully he was already on your bench. You may not have started him, but hopefully he was on your bench and you don't have to make a claim for him, but I expect him to be, you know, a, a player that it, uh, people are like max bidding on uh, this week after that type of performance. Yeah, for sure. One of the interesting pieces about this too, was that uh, if you looked at Zach Ertz in the GLSP this week, which of course the tool doesn't know that he was hurt, really had him very, very high. Uh, so it's great to see the younger player step in when he gets that opportunity to perform the way that he did. And I'm expecting that we're going to start to see the GLSP pick up on the fact that McBride has a lot of reasons to like him moving forward. So hopefully our listeners were able to get him onto the benches and uh, we'll see how things progress. I was watching the uh, 49ers Bengals game with my brother-in-law. He's a big Bengals fan. Uh, you know, and, and the Browns had a heartbreaker. So I was, you know, I was at least watching interestingly uh, to see what happened with the Bengals and the Niners and, and the really other than CMC, who actually got some of that production late, the, the big play artist in this game was George Kittle. I mean, he was definitely um, doing peak George Kittle stuff. 
big chunk plays, getting a couple yards here and there after the catch, really physical. He's one of the more fun players to watch um, when he's really on. You know, he's. I think he's he's faster than probably Gronk, but he's the closest thing that I think that we have to Gronk with that physical style of play um, that he brings at the position. And it's always it's always fun when he gets going, especially when it's a, a big time matchup uh, like it was with the the Bengals and the Niners. Um, the Niners are an interesting team, Dave, to think about for the next month because Brock Purdy's really taken a step back in this three game losing streak, mm-hmm. and. Are they going to try to mix up how they uh, attack teams moving forward? I mean, they've been without Debo Samuel. Brendan Ayuk had a little bit of a uh, – he was on the struggle bus a little bit in this game against the Bengals. You know, maybe Kittle gets more involved uh, moving forward. He's been a little bit spotty over the course of the past couple of years, and it's always been best to have him in best ball. But, you know, maybe we see him become more of a focal point and the team tries to expand further upon the successes that he had this week. Um, 93.1% snap share here. Um, nine receptions, 149 yards. So, I mean, he's a tight end two on the week without even scoring a touchdown, which is pretty hard to do. Uh, anything else you want to highlight uh, from Mr. Kittle here? Yeah, well, by and large, saw the highest raw total of targets that he's had across the year. Uh, beyond that, if you take a look at uh, his air yard share, it's at 38.9. Picks up 59 total yards after the catch, as you alluded to. That's 6.6 yards after the catch per reception, one of the highest rates of the week. That's always been a big part of his game. An A dot of 9.5 um, among tight ends that saw, you know, a, a decent amount of targets, by and large, the highest A dot. Picks up six first downs. Catch rate of 81.8. There's a lot that when you start digging into related to San Francisco, there's a lot that points to the fact that Kittle really should be involved more than he has been up to this point in the season for them. We hope that it continues. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about the fact that in week six, for example, he saw less than three targets. Uh, Week four, less than three targets. Just three targets in week two. Hopefully we see the team start to prioritize him a little bit more. Um, but when Kittle gets going, definitely one of the best in the game. TJ Hawkinson, man, he's the tight end three this week. I'm wondering if we are going to see less of him in the top five moving forward. We have not talked about your man. <sighs> Dave's love affair with Kirk Cousins as the low end QB one over the past couple of years has been one of our biggest topics. <laughs> Stinks, man. It just absolutely stinks. Torn Achilles for for Cousins. Uh, you know, hopefully he he has similarly good uh, you know recovery trajectory as it seems that we that we're seeing for Aaron Rodgers. You know, maybe they can um, you know trade tips there. But I mean, that's really sad. I mean, just to to see this occur. I mean, Justin Jefferson already out on IR. Now the Vikings' offense really going to be in a spot. So Hawkinson. You know, he's been impressive um, year to date, but, you know, a, a little bit more than a third of the way through the season, you know, you've got to adjust your out, you know, your outlook for him um, downward. I don't know how much we want to hone in on that, Dave, uh, but if you want to lament over Cousins for a second before we talk about tight end four, go ahead. Well, you know, the thing is, the thing that really stinks is he was putting together a really good season. You know, even with getting injured in that game, Curtis, in terms of PPR per game, 
ranking in at quarterback eight. It was awesome to see him propping up Jordan Addison. Even when Jefferson was there, it was really keeping three wide receivers going well. Saw him able to mix in KJ Osborne as recently as this game in which he got injured. So there was a lot of reason to feel good, not only about Cousins, but these pass catchers. So now we're kind of left asking, what does this team do to respond? One silver lining might be we get to see how good Jordan Addison really is. Uh, if he's able to keep things going with whoever it is that ends up being the passer for the Vikings. Um, but we just hope that Cousins has a good recovery and uh, that Minnesota, who's I always find one of the more interesting and exciting teams in the league. Hopefully uh, this team can put the pieces together and keep on moving forward because, you know, things are starting to click there for them. So you hate to see these types of injuries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to to add there. Um Jeez. Yeah. Stinks. Um, Cole Komet tight end for, you know, Komet looks like he's, he's going to finish this year, similar to how we did last year. He was tight end seven at the end of the season, putting together a similar uh, type of um, set, set of performances this year. This is his fourth tight end one performance of the year. Um, somehow managed to be a tight end one in week one with just 9.4 PPR, but he did have 27.6 against Denver in week four. 15.2 against Washington in week five. Uh, uh, of course, the the big difference here in week eight is over the, the past couple of weeks, not not a lot getting done with, you know, Justin Fields exiting the lineup and having to um, create some rapport with uh, Mr. Bajent there. And so he was able to get that done. 17.9 PPR. Uh, if you have Komet, I mean, you don't probably have other options that you're starting. You know, I still think that, he's overall better off if, if Fields comes back. But yeah. um, if Trey McBride was on your waiver wire and you want to pick up McBride and, and supplement uh, your lineup that way, you can. But otherwise, you're obviously trotting Komet out and you're happy when he provides this type of performance. David and Joku, you know, maybe even a B-minus version of what Komet gives us in terms of the dependability. 17.7 um, PPR there from Njoku. But, you know, he has, he's stacking up a habit of taking some of these three and three, four, five yard screens in these Browns games. And then, and adding on a um, little bit of production on his own. The, the player I want to highlight here is actually tight end six on the weekday, but it's Dalton Kincaid who now has back to back tight end one performances. And he's starting to, to do the stuff that people were predicting that he could do. Could he be that third option or even, you know, option two B uh, to Gabe Davis. And he's starting to get hot here with Josh Allen a little bit. Tell us about his performance. Yeah, I mean, Dalton Kincaid, it is looking like is the real deal and there's not many questions about it. So unfortunately, another key injury that needs to be noted, Dawson Knox uh, on IR right now, which has opened up this window to some degree, 84.1% snap share uh, for Kincaid. We see him go five of seven, catch rate of 71.4 with a target share of 17.9%. Among the tight ends outside of those top players this week, that is a, a pretty nice rate for Kincaid to have. Again, when you see a rookie tight end appro approximating 20% target share, that is something you need to take note of. 65 receiving yards, one touchdown, has an air yard share too of 15.1. So it's not like these are just some short dump offs to Kincaid. Had an A dot of 5.1, very high rate here. Uh, for a player like Kincaid in his first year. 
and uh, finishes with 5.4 yards after the catch per reception. So also showing what he's able to do with the ball in his hands as well. Also picks up three first downs for Buffalo. If you had questions or weren't sold on Kincaid coming into the season, I think that they should pretty much all be answered by now. It's really just a matter of how high do we see his dynasty value go. As we're going to have more games with knocks out, I think we're going to continue to see performances like this from Kincaid just driving that value even higher. Yeah, that's well said. I, I totally agree. I think when Knox comes back, he's going to be a red zone target, but Kincaid's going to have kind of usurped. Yeah. Uh, They're just know, a different all, all just a different cut of player, stuff. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always liked Knox for what he was, but, you know, Kincaid, I think, has the potential to be a, a difference maker at the tight end position in the league, so... Well, there you have it. We rounded up the top 20 uh, performances, if you can do the the math there, the top five at each of the four main fantasy positions. But we also gave you some bonus guys, the guys that we want to talk about, because so many of these guys are repeating week after week after week. If there's any players you want to hear us expand upon in this episode, next week you can drop us a line on X or you know, email the podcast. We're going to be back later this week with Dynasty Command Center. And the Start Sit Show on Thursday evening. So we are getting to the point of the season where the rubber meets the road. I mean, you've got to really get these start sits down. And our GLSP projections are getting smarter and smarter by the week with this year's data. Uh, So if you haven't taken advantage of the opportunity to ask Dave and I questions live on the air, make sure you're looking for that on our YouTube channel Um, and you can tune in. We're going to answer as many questions as we can in the half hour leading up to Thursday night football. And, and, so. and I may or may have not made an error when I was doing the live stream last week as we didn't get any questions coming in. So I'm pretty sure I did mm. something wrong. But the good news is Curtis will be back. Yes. We'll make sure that things are configured correctly. So if you were trying to get a message to us last week, I may have just made a technical error. But you can rest assured that this week we will get to it and we will get it answered. All right. Sounds good, Dave. We'll see you on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.